1: Yes, it is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program is brought to you today by Menard Zagway, your family true value yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Grow Compost of Vermont at growcompost.com. Compost, soils, and mulches. Route 2 in Moortown. By the Willie's Store, your true value store in Greensboro near Caspian Lake. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. By Guy's Farm and Yard, with four locations to serve you. Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. By Clausen's Florist and Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street, Colchester. Clausen's.com for those great Mega Monday coupons. By PNR Lumber, locally milled lumber and family owned on Route 15 in Wolcott. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, seeds and feeds and so much more. Montpelier Agway, Route 2 in Montpelier. And by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsville. Peter Burke is here awaiting your phone calls. You can call us anytime at the local 802 number 244-1777. Or toll-free from most anywhere, 877-291-8255. And we say good afternoon to Peter Burke.
2: Hey, Joel. How are you? How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Good, good. good. Thanks. So, um, uh, the uh, following up on something that Forbes, uh, I think it was Forbes said, um, next week we are going to have uh, Laura and Dieter. Um, it's Laura Van Eck and Dieter uh, Gehring, and they wrote the book that's called *The Hops Grower's Handbook*, uh, the essential guide for sustainable small-scale production and home and for home and market. So they've agreed to. To call in, and we're going to talk to them about hops, growing hops for home and for uh, for market. And uh, I've uh, looked over their book, and it's uh, it looks great. Their, they've been big fans of beer for a long time, and uh, Do so, they use
1: their own hops for brewing. Or yes, they, they do. do. Okay, yeah, yeah, they
2: have a um, they have a, a little brewery, and this is uh, uh, just um, uh, north of Albany. So they're familiar with. Uh, Excellent. They started growing hops, uh, all of this as a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. And the only hops guidebooks were for the, the Northwest. So when they got a, uh, uh, they were inundated with the Japanese beetles, oh. you know, and uh, she looked up in the handbook to see what to do about it. It wasn't even there because oh. they don't have japanese beetles over in the north e- northwest <laughs> <laughs> lucky. Yeah, yeah, lucky lucky them, them right about to see so um, when it, when when will
1: they be This'll this will be next week next week okay yeah yeah well, I think this week we already have a phone call. We, oh, we, we never discourage that, no, but no. That, that sounds wonderful. That's, absolutely. Okay, let's see if we push this button, and then we, we spill our <laughs> coffee, and then we push this button, and we say, <laughs> good afternoon. Name <laughs> in know, town? Yeah, name in town, please. Uh,
3: Trudy and Braintree. Hey,
1: Trudy. Welcome Hi.
3: aboard. Oh, Thank you. Um, where would one purchase Vermiculite in the volume you're talking about for raised beds.
2: Oh, I get mine. Uh, I've gotten it both at Agway and Blue Seal. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you may have to ask them for it because mm-hmm. it's not out. It's usually back in, uh, um, you know, back in the warehouse. How um, big
3: a bag does it come in?
2: Well, it comes in. Uh, I think they. It's uh, four cubic feet, foot. It's oh. Four cubic feet. Okay. And, and it weighs about uh, two pounds. Yeah. <laughs> find in these little bitty bags and oh no yeah no, no. Work. <laughs> well um if they don't have it right there um just ask them to order it for you they usually have a shipment at least once a week if not more yeah and uh the price wise uh i think it's in the 20 range but uh let let me clue you in here do not leave that bag out over winter (laughs) because it does it will absorb so much water that there is no way you can pick it up you end up having to (laughs) break it open and uh and dig it out
3: (laughs) be all right in the shed though oh yeah
2: oh yeah sure sure it's not it's not gonna absorb much from the air okay i i made a mistake of putting it behind my greenhouse and forgetting about it so (laughs) that was that was my fault yeah so are you're making some beds then
3: I'm hoping to.
2: Oh, okay. Yep.
3: Once the garden's done this fall so I can Yep. Get there. Yep. I have another question. I have a tomato plant. Uh-huh. that has, well, my leaves are all gone because they had brown little brown spots. I think just from dry, not yeah. yep. I don't think it's, you know, yep, blight. But one of them has got these little fly type things on the plant and the tomatoes.
2: Fly type things? Uh, that would be like an aphid. Is it green?
3: No, they're black and they're kind of the size of a mosquito, or a little smaller. Okay. And I just wonder if there's anything. I could, that seems to be the only one out of 40 plants.
2: Oh, really? Um, a couple of things you can do. Um, it, they're not eating the plant or, or bothering it for the most part, or
3: it don't appear to be. Oh,
2: okay well you can just spray them with the hose the chances are good that will either discourage them enough or actually it may kill them oh, okay you know, to a good a good spray like that would probably knock them off for sure okay. what kind of uh tomatoes are you growing
3: oh you name it oh really <laughs> i usually buy a six pack of three things and then i told my husband to get a cherry tomato when he came home with five <laughs> we will have cherry tomatoes, there you go, yeah,
2: ours are just uh just coming in yeah uh last week and this week, so I take a
3: couple hands or a
2: hand. yeah <laughs> yeah, so uh yeah, that's uh vermiculite should be around um this time of year they again they may not have it right in the warehouse so, so just ask for it, and uh, usually they'll order it for you and get it there the next week or within a few days.
3: first well, you my closest, yeah. Yep. Yep. We don't have a local one anymore,
2: unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I know what you mean.
3: <laughs> All right. I guess that. Was All right. It.
2: Thanks, Trudy. I appreciate that.
3: Thank you. Okay. So,
1: good advice. Yeah. I um I I will um have to relate my. Beagles, well, first of all, thank you to the lady that pointed out that the little holes that were appearing in my uh, morning glory <laughs> uh, leaves were the uh, luminescent uh, mini uh, um, Gold, ladybugs. Golden ladybugs, golden ladybugs. Called, Bugs. yeah. <laughs> I've started flipping leaves over, and sure enough, these little critters were there. They're just gorgeous and everything, but they also have quite an appetite. They've, uh, they're Plants are still growing, but uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, smaller than the the you know the red little red yep. ladybug that has the dots on it. That's so cute, and yeah. uh, these guys are just luminescent. You know, yeah. they're they're just freaking around out My there.
2: My wife saw those and she thought, "Wonder what the heck those yeah, are." Yeah, you so know? And I thought
1: they were you know uh, immature versions of something oh. that'll be, but no, that's who they are. Yeah,
2: yes. the, that's their that's their thing. Yeah. Well, I have a conundrum, a problem, and and. Uh, uh, the best I can figure out well i 'm kind of curious what uh, if anybody else has the same problem my broccoli i've uh, got beautiful broccolis they stand about oh two, two maybe more feet tall, and there is not one head amongst all twelve of them not not one head they're just completely without any broccoli head huh. in there at all and uh, that <laughs> that's a first for me. I have never ever had that problem. My own, uh, you know, reasoning is that I put them in late, and then it got very, very hot. And uh, broccoli is a cold weather, most of the the brassica are cold weather plants. But I thought, well, maybe I'll get a button, and then I'll get the side shoots, so it's no big deal. But I have had not not even a two-inch button uh, head. Oh, that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> I
1: haven't uh, well, I'm not I'm not planting broccoli this year. The problem I'm having is one that I, I had last year, and mm-hmm. the, and we did have a couple of callers on it, and that okay. is with my pumpkins. Maybe the uh, the caller was talking about other vine crops, but my uh, my cucumbers and everybody are fine. But uh, my pumpkins, I'm getting all all female flowers mm. and uh, very few, if any, male flowers yeah. on them. Although I planted late. And they are still growing and still producing flowers. So, and I did see bees, you know, flying in and out of the of mm-hmm. the flowers that mm-hmm. were there. So I'm still hoping. You're but, still hoping. But like you know, having I've got like you know six pumpkin vines, and I'm yeah. trying for one pumpkin. One,
2: yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's definitely a late. Uh, they should be at least set by yeah, now. Yeah, no, not yet. So, yeah, yeah.
1: But do you think they will set? If uh,
2: they will set. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, it's just a question is how much time do you have before the fruit right. actually yeah, grow? Well, yeah. I mean, we still have a month and a half. Right? Usually, usually yeah. I'm, still I'm, have a I'm
1: lucky and a near the near Lake Champlain, you know, yeah, know yeah. out in the bay. So yeah. we we sometimes get an extra couple of weeks. actually. Yeah, that's so.
2: right. And uh, last year we had one frost uh, beginning of October, and then it went all the way to mm-hmm. November before we had a, a hard frost. What I would consider.
1: Well I'm trying to get that one pumpkin that I can carve my <laughs> granddaughter's name yeah. you know in the side of it and then when it matures it has a, a you know the permanent scar with her name on it. You know? yeah. I did that for both my daughters growing up many mm-hmm. times and I want to do it for my granddaughter oh, no. before I, I leave this veil of tears. I know
2: here, I you know and and we did that once for my son Jake. And it, it it is still is sort of like a, a family heirloom, the memory of his discovering that thing with his. Right. It was like he was so excited. He just couldn't believe how that could happen, you know. <laughs> And, uh, of course, he has come to know how it happened, just like the fairy, uh, the tooth fairy and, and uh, Santa Claus. But anyway, it was a great memory, and we really enjoyed it. My, so. my
1: other story is another beagle story. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I've done this a number of times. Sent a dog out on the back deck to chase the squirrels just for the fun of seeing the squirrels just run around. (laughs) And the dog paid no attention to the squirrels but started eating the bird seed on the ground that I had put for the ground feeders. The dog did The dog did that. I started chewing on corn and and sunflower seeds. You can't win. (laughs) No. So about three weeks ago when I put some uh, of my Captain Neptune Mm -hmm. uh, fertilizer, fully organic fertilizer, I mixed a gallon of it yeah. and then went inside to answer a telephone call. When I came out, the beagle had consumed the fertilizer. Oh, that sounds awful. I know. And I said, "Well, oh, I've lost my beagle." But uh, <laughs> even though her internal flora were well fertilized, she seems to have survived. <laughs> she seemed to be okay. And yeah. that, anyway, but the, 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 it was just this about three, four days ago, and and she's still well at the moment. But she found the gallon of of uh, of uh, fish. A fertilizer yeah. that you know, mm-hmm. you, t- you put, you take one tablespoon to make a gallon. Yeah, the concentrated yeah. fertilizer, the yeah. actual master gallon uh-huh. of it, chewed the top off and started oh, no. licking it. Oh, get out! No, no I'm not kidding. It's <laughs> made from sea kelp mostly. So I mean, it, uh-huh. but you know, thank I'd say, I'm thanking my own lucky stars that I'm doing everything organic this year because I don't know what, she, but a beagle dog will eat. Anything, uh, anything that has a calorie yeah. in it, yeah, yeah including yeah. concentrated sea kelp. Well, know. if she'd
2: have knocked that fish uh, <laughs> fertilizer over in the house, you would have been uh, you would have been in the doghouse for sure. Oh, ab- oh,
1: abs- oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I've got everything up high, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: my <laughs> wife did everything's that. Everything's on the top shelf. Yeah. yeah, my wife did that in her office. She yeah. she gave all of her plants, and she has a jungle of plants. You know a good dose of fish fertilizer and everyone's was like oh my god don't ever do that again
1: oh. <laughs> so um but it, you know it, it does seem to work uh you know on the plants but it's amazing that uh, yeah the critter would uh would you know would like to uh consume it Mm -hmm. but um yeah you know it makes me think that you know the organic approach is the way i have i'm beginning to be really be afraid of harsh chemicals you know all the cleaners and everything we use Mm -hmm. we are going Mm -hmm. green and Mm -hmm. and uh hopefully we'll you know we'll uh, you know benefit from the from the fact that these uh, the more you more you read about uh, you know the the uh, dangerous chemicals I yep. I have a background of uh, of you know t- you know testing animal, animals in the lab with uh, things oh. like this back yeah. in my graduate school days and yep. we were at the that was 100 years ago but we were just <laughs> learning we were just learning some of the concerns reading the updated uh, you know reading the updated literature on this topic uh, it really gives you pause of concern to mm-hmm. to uh, you know not go that route if you can in your own life.
2: Well that's interesting because uh, I, I am actually talking to um, a couple Nancy and John Hayden and they wrote a book that's just coming out and I think they're going to be on the show yeah not the following week on the 31st but uh, one of the weekends in September it'll be one of those in the next three weeks and they wrote a book uh, farming on the wild side and uh, it says the evolution of a regenerative organic farm and noose mm-hmm. and nursery uh, and you know it's it, it to me it's so exciting to see these young farmers uh, you know just sort of changing the whole way farming is done and and i was reading in their book and i just love this uh this uh, says the best uh the best manure for a farm comes from the farmer's two feet Uh more or less they, you know, they walk out in, you know, in amongst all of their plants to check on them on a regular basis. And, uh, and it's something I've said about the garden, you know, go and go and look and see and watch, you know, you want to catch that first hornworm tomato, you know, tomato hornworm there.
1: Well, in my grandparents' day, that was the you know that was simply the way things were done, and now we're moving back to it. But I mm-hmm. also remember mm-hmm. in my grand in my grandparents' day, as I was approaching adulthood, yes. that's when all this DDT stuff came out that oh. was being you know heralded at the time as a great gift to farmers. Yeah. But it was marketed without the slightest bit of concern as to what the negative consequences might be. But science has proven that. Uh, uh, you know, even if you're a science denier, none of it is good for you, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm, you know, it's it's really tough, it's really tough to, um, you know, find the right balance between it all. But for the most part, you have to figure, you know, there must be a w- other ways, um, you know, to, to uh, solve the problems. You know, uh, the quick and easy fix, you know um even even with things like antibiotics and you know for the animals and 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 yeah. for us uh, folks you know um just not respecting how powerful they are. To start with, and then you know the overuse of them has come back to sort of bite us.
1: Well, you know, I go to the supermarket and I see California grapes at seventy-nine no. cents a pound, and then <laughs> no. organic California grapes at a dollar twenty-nine a pound. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm going, I'm going the a dollar twenty-nine route from, from yeah. this point on. Yeah, yeah.
2: Right? I'm afraid I am too. Uh, I mean, as much as it can possibly. But yeah, that's. Uh, You know that—that's what you try to do. Mm -hmm. Well, we have uh, the farmers' markets. uh, Oh yeah, are are a real blessing. I mean, when you go and you look at all the. All the the incredible produce. Of course, there's nothing like being a gardener to make you go to the farmer's market and just your jaw drops and you think, wow, we like, are so lucky.
1: Yeah, I always like going to them early in, mm-hmm. in the season to see mm-hmm. what they're getting, you know, first. <laughs> you know, that, that's where I learned about the transplanted tomatoes to yeah. kind of shock them into getting red a little earlier and this one guy always has them a week or two early and uh, he shared his secret with me. Just <laughs> transplant the, the, the whole plant every week. Just have them change places. <laughs> he has one little area of his garden that he does that. Yeah. I mean he has a huge garden but yeah, yeah. and uh, he, so he's, he's able to fill up a table with red tomatoes while everybody else has just the lettuce and yeah. garlic and things. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, um, so the other things that are going on in my garden anyways is we're starting to pick the cherry tomatoes, mm-hmm. which is uh, my favorite tomato, just simply because there's so many of them in there early and everything, but I did notice that one of the big boys was starting to turn a little oh, bit, nice. which is, uh, that, that's, uh, I'm really looking forward to that, and um, well, the kale is, uh, is coming along real good, and I have uh, 12 kale plants uh, in one bed, And what I do is I'll go around each one of the plants and uh, just pick the big leaves all the way around. And uh, then when uh, we either, well, sometimes we make kale chips, but uh, mostly we just boil the leaves. I strip them off the stems. Um, The kale stems are a little too tough. Um, The collard stems are actually pretty good, and they're delicious, just like the stems on a broccoli. But um, and then the same thing with the collards. We're we're doing uh, that. Ah, we got a call. Oh, hey, Lawrence. Okay. Hey. Hello, Lawrence.
4: Hey, hey, Peter Hey, Joel. Uh, yeah, we we planted our our beets late, uh, but they're coming. You know, yeah. probably some of them are yep. maybe about the size of a quarter or something. Yep. But several nights days ago. In the morning, we came out and saw that a lot of the tops were gone and Uh-oh. and some of the beets themselves.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So deer, so, you figure, huh?
4: No. you no. know, We figured it was... We didn't see any footprints, so we didn't think it was a deer, so we set up a large have-a-heart trap for a woodchuck, uh-huh. and the next day, we caught a porcupine. Oh,
2: oh for heaven's sake. It, it
4: was, and it was eating them, I mean, because we had a bunch of... Beets in the, you know, they open at so, both sides, the big ones, and mm-hmm. so the entryway into mm-hmm. where it was, we enclosed the whole beet patch uh, yep. that day, and for the entryway, they had to go through, and then Connie threw a few of the beets in there, and it ate it all. Wow. You know, and then we took it to the forest but uh, uh that surprises
2: surprised. me i had no yeah. idea although i yeah. well i mean they're they're um, um, the omnivores they'll eat both uh vegetables and little critters too so
4: yeah and they seem to eat a lot of the leaves and the trees and mm-hmm. stuff, you know mm-hmm. oh yeah you seen uh, them
2: sometimes up in the tree uh, eating bark off a pine tree just strips it right off
4: yeah the bark and also the leaves themselves you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. we're but uh so, yeah, that surprised us, so we uh, <laughs> just wanted to let people know that's a possibility. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did uh, uh, did you lose everything, or did you catch them soon
4: enough? I think we caught them soon, soon enough. It mm. did it two nights in a row, and mm-hmm. then, but I think there's enough leaves on there that they'll regenerate and— Girl, but they're definitely set back. But uh, <laughs> so, but uh, someone uh, was when I told a story to someone. They talked about somebody that lost their tomato plants, not just tomatoes, but the plants. And uh, we heard from another friend that. It could be a deer, you know, that uh, they had deer do that. That's a possibility that was, for sure. That was uh, something that most you, people don't believe.
2: Yeah, usually when the potato tomato plant is gone, it's the horned um, tomato worm.
4: Well, I,
1: I'm pretty convinced. Uh, Joel popping in here. I'm pretty convinced that uh, the deer do eat the tomato plants uh-huh. because uh, on those occasions in the past when I had the much bigger garden with the pole beans, uh, etc., well, I would the first thing I'd notice uh, that the that the pole beans had been eaten mid. Te- you know, mid teepee, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, about three feet <laughs> off the ground, you know, and right, then, but right the at top- head height, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a deer head height exactly, and uh, then the tops of my tomato plants, which at the time were four, or five feet tall, some of them, mm-hmm. would be eaten as well. Uh, I mean, maybe they don't like them as much, but they certainly do sample them, you
2: know.
4: Yeah. Wow. Alrighty, you guys, have a good one. Well,
2: thanks. Yeah, appreciate the call, Lawrence. Yeah, the. Uh, uh, but Lawrence, no, no, I ever seen
4: uh, no heads
2: on your broccoli before.
4: Uh, no. Uh, one Connie thought maybe it it might be be uh, the cold nights might have something to do with it, but. Huh. I don't know. Some people around here are getting broccoli, so I don't know. Oh,
2: yeah. I've I've seen plenty of uh, my neighbors (laughs) had broccoli on theirs, but... Uh, they post on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh yeah, go ahead and rub it in."
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds like a neighbor.
2: <laughs> oh well, <laughs> it's like okay. you gotta love gardening, right? Yeah, <laughs> you I, have to take it, the disappointments right along with everything else. Exactly. Anyway, thanks again for the call. Sure thing. Bye bye.
1: Okay, thank you very much. I think we. Whoops, I think we do have another one. Let us do this and then that and say,
2: first name in town, please. John from Waterbury. Hey, John. How we doing? Uh, Good. You're right in the the backyard here, huh?
5: Yes, I am. (laughs) What's up? Well, I had some wonderful zucchini and some wonderful spaghetti squash, had being the operative word. Yeah. And then I had some squash bugs.
2: Oh, yeah.
5: So... I know that everything's shot for this year, but how do I prevent the reoccurrence next year?
2: Well, um, that's tough because uh, they overwinter in the ground. So the first thing you want to do is, of course, um, get rid of the vines. Don't compost them. Okay. Go ahead and bag them up. Um, The other thing you can do, of course, is to, to look to see if you can find the bug itself. Uh-huh. Um, they usually uh, go into the hollow part of the stems. You should see some sign of them somewhere along there, and scorch them. Um, the other thing you want, you might uh, want to do is uh, quote unquote solarize the cell, uh, the soil. I mean, and that would be put a piece of black plastic on the the ground. Yeah. Okay, and and have the. Uh, and it would actually work with either black or clear plastic, either way. Uh, but that basi- basically heats up the soil enough that it kills any um, any of those uh, grubs or anything. The worms, if it gets too hot, they just go a little deeper down, so they're they're not affected. Very um, good. That's good. And then, of course. Uh, just uh, digging up the soil, sort of turning it in the fall yeah. so that again any of those grubs that are down there that are in there are going to get turned over and disrupted and, and some of them will die. Um, okay. The other thing to do is of course to rotate, not use the same spot if you can possibly right. avoid avoid you know going to the same place. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things that that I do, um, I grow my uh, zucchini and uh, cucumbers and things like that up on a trellis, and they seem to leave those trellised uh, squashes alone.
5: They're afraid of heights.
2: They're afraid of heights. Yep, yeah. scares okay. the heck out of them. <laughs>
5: Very good. Also, I've got the same issue with my broccoli that you have. Oh, no kidding. Wonderful plants, but not a broccoli uh, uh, center to be seen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's interesting. When did you plant your broccolis?
5: Well, it was uh, fairly late. I was concerned about late frost, and I normally don't plant until Memorial
4: Day.
2: So um, you planted Memorial Day or after Memorial Day? Uh, after Memorial Day. Yeah, me too. I I, I was late, what I thought late. Mm-hmm. But um, usually, I mean, usually I'll try to get my broccolis in as one of the first things that I plant because they'll take a, a light frost. Yeah. So I try to get them in in May, you know, even May 1st if, yeah, if, okay. uh, if I can find the sets. Yeah, I think
5: we need broccoli steroids
2: i don't know uh i'm gonna try a a good fertilizing you Uh know and hope for something in the fall when it cools off because i think it is the heat that that affected them and so far from what i've read that was uh that was the main thing that that they said was probably too hot um the other one is uh you know they said that maybe it needed nutrients. Well, uh, this is—I mean—they had lots of compost and everything, so I don't yeah. think that was a problem at all. Yeah. So I'm going to try uh, on a on a three or four of them. I'm going to take a knife and actually cut the root, cut a root. You know, just uh, a couple inches. Uh-huh. You know, go down near. And sometimes when you cut the roots, it—you uh, know—it sort of scares the heck out of them, and they start to flower. Uh-huh. And so. Uh, I'm gonna try that, the fertilizer um, and the uh, and then just a you know a small section, a couple inches. Just cut the roots and see. Who knows? I don't have much to leave in. The small consolation that I've read so far about it is, the leaves of broccoli are quite delicious. You could eat those. <laughs>
5: That was my next question. I was going to ask about broccoli greens. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, I mean, I have all these kale, and I have a collards, and well, why yeah. not? You know, sure. why not? Yeah, I may wind They're up doing beautiful. that. They're beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes. Okay. Take Small care. consolation, right? There you go. Yep. Bye, bye. Bye. Well, I feel better now that I'm not the only person <laughs> with no heads on their broccoli. <laughs>
1: well, well, I'm still waiting for someone to call and saying they're only getting female flowers on their <laughs> vine crops. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, yeah, you know, because you need the fa- the the uh, you need the pollen from the male flowers in order to even if you were going to do it by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually the other way around. You usually get this mass of male flowers, particularly in the beginning, mm-hmm. and you can always tell because they have that really skinny uh, stem right, and right. they're smaller flowers. But boy, those uh, the uh, zucchini, the the uh, trombone zucchini. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there must be ten of them, and wow. it's just a four foot uh, trellis with three plants and they're going nuts.
1: Well, that's my plan for next year is to actually put up have have a more permanent uh, approach to the to trellising because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just have some posts in various places and oh. my cucumbers are just climbing up wrapping them around like the okay. morning glories. Know, next year I'll,
2: I'll bring you in a trellis that that will last you 30 years. Wow. And I I can say that from experience because the first trellises I did we're in 1980 wow. 1980 something eight, I'm gonna say 81 or 82. those are the first one. I'm still using those. Oh wow. wow. And so they last and last and last and they're very simple and inexpensive to, to make and, and, and they're you know very transportable. You can move one. But what I've done now is you know on my four foot bed, on the back of every four foot but I have, I have a trellis. Uh-huh. So that, oh, well, o- yeah. on almost every one. Uh, so there's a couple that I've left open for my garlic and my carrots because yeah. I plant a whole bed. But And um, that trellis is, uh, you know, just half-inch uh, conduit. And um, I got a bender, and I bend the top piece. Gotcha. Yeah. And then I have a connection. And then I got two, you know, five-foot... Uh, five foot um, pieces you know they come in 10 foot lengths, cut that in half. but anyway I'll, we'll we'll do that uh, next year. We'll make sure you got a good uh,
1: since since we last spoke I I bought and used a root waterer.
2: Oh, you did! Yes, you
1: uh, did it. And uh, yeah, the I, it, I still, <laughs> there is a little connecting valve mm-hmm. that I bought between that goes between my hose yeah. and the actual root water yeah. with a little turning switch uh-huh. to turn the water on and off. Uh-huh. I, I bought the cheap one, which was a mistake because there was <laughs> I was more watered than any root was, but uh, I, I think I'm going to get a brass one that mm-hmm. uh, that seems a little more sturdy. Yes, yeah. uh, but uh, it's it's great. You just you know, put it down and then it goes down a little further and then it bubbles up so the water goes exactly where you want. Where running, you want know, it. You know, and, yeah. you know, if you're using that spray, you know, or. It's very easy to squeeze the handle too hard and damage <laughs> your plants. So, right, yeah. so dig, if I get this to work right, dig a I'm hole in the root system. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that. That's the way I'm going to do it. I, I had one years ago, and that's the, when I and I had tons of pumpkins, and I took it all for granted. But I, you know, I'm trying to get back. After I, you know, I had that big, big problem with the uh, contaminated compost, but I think it's all leached out now. But I've never had quite a, quite the garden that I had before hmm. that incident. Hmm. And that was 2013. Yeah, that, 2013. That, you know that, uh, that that happened, but you know, 14, 15, all these years since, I've never had anything as good as I had. You know,
2: let's the, say 2010. You know, the killer compost. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wow. Huh.
1: And that all came from horses that yeah. ate, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, that 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 ate uh, grain and and things grown out west, that, and for which they use those pesticides, which uh-huh. simply uh-huh. Uh, herbicides rather that but, simply do not uh, break down. You yeah, know? you have yeah. to wait for them to leach out. Yep. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, talk about things not breaking down. I think it was on the news. I was listening to DEV, and they were talking about them finding particles of plastic up in the in the Arctic Circle, (laughs) in the snow. I was yeah, like oh the, man the
1: real problem is that uh, you know in, in in some cleaning fluids and yeah. and and uh, dishwasher and they had these tiny little beads mm-hmm. that'll go through any filter oh and they stay forever now they oh. don't they th- that's against the law now they yeah. don't make that yeah. anymore but it actually aided in the washing you know the yeah. uh, the agitation of the water and everything mm-hmm. these little beads actually helped with the cleaning <laughs> but of course they you know they, they last forever and now they're up at the north Pole so it, yeah right
2: Right, right. Well, and the the problem, one well, of the problems, being of course, just like anything else, is that it's uh, it's illegal in the United States, right. but they ship it out to China or Brazil or who knows where, and it's made there and used overseas. And you know, it's one of those things where DDT is not uh, not legal here, but you know, it's legal in other other countries by, and so it's uh, it could be a problem. Well. Um, and it's just like it was just like with the states you know you've got the states and we've changed our marijuana laws but the the feds haven't you know and it's of course ridiculous that we don't have a a clear cut marijuana law that is the same for every state that there is you know that that's that's clear cut and
1: uh uh, might be a while before that, that happens. So. Yeah,
2: yeah, right, right. Yeah. Because we we can guarantee that nobody in Washington is actually gonna work on yeah. anything, right? I <laughs> I okay. see the
1: other thing on my list was my my major bonehead uh, mistake this well it well, was not a mistake really. Oh yeah. But uh I I had a uh, a huge container where I was growing what I thought was what I thought was a Greek oregano, and I was wondering why it didn't taste anything like oregano. And, uh, you know, you pointed out quite accurately that dried oregano, uh, you know, tastes very different. Well, my dried oregano didn't taste any different, but when it dried, the kitty cat loved it. I realized it was was a vat of of catnip that I had growing out there, and I compared it with my fresh planting of catnip, and it's exactly Uh, the same plant. Whoops So I, I, I actually made some marinara, marinara sauce with catnip <laughs> I ate it. <laughs> i bet the cats loved yeah, it, too. Well, I think the cat liked to dry catnip, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, it, sure. When I dried it sure. out, I had some on the floor, and she yeah. was ro- rolling around in it. <laughs> so uh, and anyway. And so had, how did that happen? I mean, do you well, bought some? Well, I had I, I had a couple of vats that I had put way in the back garden, and that's all overgrown now. Mm-hmm. I had ignored it. Uh, gardening in that area for a stretch and I thought that was where I had planted my oregano because it was a uh, perennial (laughs) <laughs> but it was a perennial, but it was catnip perennial. <laughs> Do you need some
2: oregano? I've got some. I could uh, dig I, I, some up for you. I, w-
1: I would love a little, and then right. I would dry it out and see, you know, because All right, I good. really want to get the, the same taste, if I can, of the uh. New York pizzerias. Oh, you know, yes. You know, Boy, I but, can but smell that have, just well, you're saying yeah, it. Yeah. They have they have like a shaker yep. of, of hot pepper and yep. a shaker of, of of oregano, and there's some secret to it, you know. Yeah, it's absolutely. Not, it's simply not, you know it's not in the in the uh, spices section of your supermarket. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. there's something there. And of course... The secret ingredient. There, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, always. Uh, I mean, in all due respect to the many fine pizzerias oh, yeah. uh, that uh, we have around here, uh, I am so hooked on what, what, what I grew up with mm-hmm. in the Bronx mm-hmm. and even in northern Westchester, you know, yeah. close yeah. to New York. Uh, the competition is such that it has to be good. And well, you know... Vermont has good pizza, but it's almost like it's a different product in yeah, some cases. Yeah, well, you
2: know? it's funny because uh, one of my friends from high school, his, uh, they had a pizzeria. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every once in a while after school, we'd go there. And there is a fragrance mm-hmm. that, to me, spells pizza more than any mm-hmm. other. And every once in a while... You know, I'll go to a and I'll, I'll get that, and I'll think, oh, that's good pizza. You know, perp- and I think it's the oregano.
1: Yeah, well, for me, I would order just a regular cheese pizza, mm-hmm, yep. and then sprinkle some of that oregano go, on it, and yeah. I'd be in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, no, catnip catnip is not a, 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 wor- a worthy substitute. <laughs> if only listeners. we could grow that pizza. Right. <laughs> right. Now that would be You're worth right. it in the garden, yeah. for sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, that uh, perennial spinach, uh, uh that's been growing and coming up real well now once I got over that first uh miners leaf miners uh bout of that. And uh that's been really good. Uh, if if I don't get it young enough then it it's a little tougher and uh then I just uh put it in the microwave for for a minute, not very long and chop it up, put it in the salad and it's it tastes very good then. And uh, we've been getting arugula, and, and uh, my lettuces finally have decided to, to show up. And that's, that's really nice. I like that. Um, the yellow squash. Whew, that's just been crazy. I've been have lots of yellow squash. And, uh, and the zucchini, the regular zucchini, I have a bush of that. That takes up a whole square, you know, a whole square, a whole, you know, 12 square you know, feet mm-hmm. in the front of the bed there. But I also have the other one that's grown on the trellis. And uh, those, are, those are great. Yeah. Our, our apples this year are really great. And my gosh, we just did another round of blueberries. And the blueberries are fantastic.
1: Yeah, I imagine uh, Forbes is up to his ears in them at this point. Probably I'm, up to his ears. I'm its, hearing that, yeah. uh, that this is a terrific year.
2: Yeah, and uh, there's been no problem that I've seen with the fruit fly. So the spotted wing fruit fly.
1: Uh-huh. Boy, there's always <laughs> some critter waiting in the wings yeah, to, there is. to do you harm, yes. and some years are better than yeah. others.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, although we have noticed the Japanese beetles on the blueberries, uh, they've been okay, pretty manageable. We knocked off a bunch of them, and they've Excellent. been fine.
1: Yeah, I, my, I have a couple of zucchini growing. I only grew, grew one, one vine, but I, oh, yeah. I'll have all we need for a while. We do have another caller, so uh, good afternoon. Your first name in town?
6: Uh, Evan from Montpelier. Uh, hey, Evan. How's hey. it going? Good. How are you? Oh, good. Let me just turn my radio down. Yeah.
2: Um,
6: I-, I thought I'd call because I can sympathize with you and your broccoli because I oh. have the same same issue.
2: Oh, no kidding.
6: Yeah. I was wondering, did you get your sets uh, at a nearby farm? I did. Yes. yes. So, so did I. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm yeah. wondering.
2: Uh, well, I- I've gotten them from years from all different places around. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time I have ever seen it. I, I mean, I, I just have to say it, I've never seen it before.
6: Yeah, I, I agree with that.
2: You know, I've had problems with sets that I've gotten that had uh, some of the maggots, you know, and I couldn't see any other place. But I think I even figured out that that probably was from, from my soil, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But I appreciate that you're letting me know that you had the same problem.
6: Well, yeah, I do, and I've heard you've had a couple of other people that have had that. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I'd echo that out. But I had a couple of other questions. Um, Well, the first is like with my green peppers. And every year, something gets there, and so the first peppers that pop out always have these little holes in them. Oh, yeah. Now, they don't all do this, but... so, uh, do you know what that is?
2: Well, you'd be surprised, but for the most part, it's usually slugs. And matter of fact, if you open them up and look, sometimes you even find a slug inside them.
6: Boy, I don't know. I've never seen slugs hanging around my yeah. peppers. Yeah, well, and, and I do usually pick the small, the ones, and then I just cut them open, and uh-huh. it's something. It's not. Uh, doesn't look like a slug. I don't oh, know okay. What
2: yeah, what does it look like?
6: Well, it's a sort of a darkening of the interior of the flesh, but I mean, I still a lot to have a little taste. Uh, but you know, I've got other peppers that are untouched and they're growing big and strong. And
2: well, the other option is, is it could be a bird who pokes a hole and then it starts to rot there. Yeah, if it looks like rot, that's what it could be.
6: Yeah, it's uh, you know, the, I get these little like they look like miniature flies that mm-hmm. kind of have a golden. Uh, translucent wing, and they're always about. And I, you know, I, I, I basically just try to use neem oil to see if that helps. Mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it does or that, it doesn't.
2: That but. keeps them off. No, yeah, I wonder—is that the one that uh, Joel was talking about? The the golden-winged beetle there, uh, golden-winged ladybug.
6: It's not a ladybug or a beetle. Mm-hmm. It's just a like a. It looks like a small housewife but it's just again translucent wings. Oh, um,
2: translucent wings. Okay.
6: And it's small. It's small, and and they're very quick. I mean, I keep thinking, are these the flea beetles I hear about?
2: No, no. The flea beetle is is actually a perfectly round little flea that mm, not even a sixteenth of an inch.
6: Right. So um, it, it, it wasn't that. Then, so okay.
2: So you've seen the uh, this uh, fly, and it would say if you were measuring uh, eighth of an inch, quarter inch.
6: Oh, eighth or yeah, an eighth would be about right.
2: Okay. And it's a little translucent wing.
6: Yep, it kind of, you know, goldenish translucent wing.
2: Okay. All right. Well,
6: it's not like crippling me because I've got, you know, half a dozen really nice peppers, but then I've got a couple leftover ones that they they got the hole in them and they're rotted. In fact, I didn't even pick them to salvage what was salvageable. You're right, yeah. I've, it's sort of been a lazy year for me. <laughs> uh, and I can say late, but I've been late before, but this was, the broccoli thing was weird. I've Plus, never
2: seen it. But I've, every, you know.
6: I've got red and uh, sun gold cherry tomatoes, and yeah. for some reason, the sun golds, I, like I put them every other one, yeah. and the sun golds have just been, you know, they were the first to produce fruit, yep. but they're not bushy at all. They're Yeah. There, for some reason, I don't know why. I don't know if you have anything like that going
2: on. Well, it's the opposite for me. My red tomatoes look like they're the the stems are like the size of a pencil. They're so so small, and the sun golds are you know like my thumb. They're thick and and beautiful. Hmm. So it's yep. it's just the opposite for me. And I and th- these are these are two feet away from each other. That makes no sense whatsoever.
6: Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. What doesn't make sense to me either? But, but they're like my my red ones are up you know almost six feet and uh and the and the goals are catching up but they're they're only yeah they're yep. only sitting up around you know three and a half
2: feet. i have the same problem but it's completely reversed the red ones and they're producing fruits the red ones are and the sun sungolds ones are but uh you know the the sungolds are are you know two feet above the the little red ones so yeah
6: and then and then my my yellow squash like yours are very prolific and then my zucchinis are like you know more than enough cuz I've got way too many plants planted but yeah. they're not they're, they're taking their sweet time producing fruit.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, it's you know that that's the confusing part about uh, about gardening sometimes is that it just doesn't make any sense. But you'll see that a lot of people say, "Well, I'm having the same problems with my zucchini." That was a couple of years ago. I could not grow a zucchini. Wow. I had all kinds of you know leaves and everything else. And uh, actually, Joel was just mentioning his pumpkins. You know, they're they're not setting fruit the way that he was hoping for. So. Uh, it's it's hard to tell, you know, with the the certain mysteries. And uh, the more you garden, the more you realize it, it, the farming is tough tough work.
6: I, I guess I just feel very fortunate every year because I always have plenty to eat. But, yeah, right. Uh, I even got a patty pan this year already. Oh, is that right?
2: Yeah. Oh, those are great. Now, how do you fix your your uh, How do you fix those?
6: I usually like just to slice them and then I saute them and butter yeah. and garlic.
2: Oh yeah, well, you can't beat that.
6: No, nope. it's, uh, it, it, it's a quick way to do it, and it's very tasty.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And
6: I let them grow bigger than a lot of people do. Although, I've got a, a seed pack that had like three different varieties, and there's a big white one. I forget exactly what it's called. but it, it, They say you pick it at two to three inches, and I wouldn't <laughs> pick it that early. <laughs> yeah. What a waste.
2: What a waste, right, yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway,
2: so... Um. Well, good, Evan. I appreciate your call. And I'm trying to remember, you called uh, before, and I was trying to remember what it was you called about. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, I'll just yeah, I've have to... I've a
6: couple times. I called about moles last year.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, you, uh, was the it you belong. that corrected me on the mole ball thing? Right,
6: yeah. <laughs> they're, they're very different. One, one likes to eat your garden, one likes to dig holes. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
2: Well, I appreciate all your calls. Oh, I they called. Can, I
6: think I called last time about trellising squashes. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and you bring your, your the height of your trellis up to like five or six feet, or
2: um, the I use the um, uh, the conduit, and those come in ten foot lengths. So I cut one of them in half, so the basic uh, um, the basics two sides of it are five foot. And then I'll slip that right over a four-foot uh, piece of rebar that I drive down into the soil, so it just sort of goes down until it stops. Interesting. On top of that, and then I take one of the five-footers and I bend it so that you know it's bent on both ends, and then I use just one coupling uh, on either side, so that adds oh, another good six inches. So they're they're up about five foot. Uh, six you know about that big but recently i've added another two feet to that uh, i just took a two foot section of the of the conduit and another coupling and so now they're seven foot six because i was outgrowing my uh well the zucchini you know that trombo zucchini i was definitely outgrowing that and then my uh, uh the uh the sugar snap uh, peas, they were going all the way up to the top of the 8 feet and then beyond. Wow. My cherry tomatoes, the, if they're growing good, they will go all the way to the top of that 8 feet. And uh, and then the bush beans, they'll grow, I mean the pole beans, they'll grow all the way to the top of that 8 feet. So I've added that 2 feet to it. But it, it's, it's, a nice, uh, it's a nice setup because if you don't want them, you could take them down. Uh, but if you need them, they're there. So, you know.
5: So,
6: I, you know, I know what rebar is, but what is conduit? I, it's, um,
2: it's a half-inch. Um, it's a, a metal conduit for electrical um, EMT, they call it. Uh, it's for electrical wires. And the diameter is how? Half-inch, yeah. And you can get it right at the hardware store. You know, I, I still
6: don't quite now envision what you do. I, I just use, like, you know, the stuff that people use for fencing often, you know, where it's like a one-inch by Uh uh two-inch rectangular stuck together, and you can buy it in five-foot or six-foot widths or heights. And then I just cut that up, and I use old uh, garden sticks, which hauls that kind of stuff.
2: Uh, So what's this again? It's a one-inch by two-inch? Well, that's
6: about the rough, you know, it's It's a a
2: square piece of metal?
6: No, it's like a whole fencing type of thing that that, uh-huh. that has squares. That's what its medium is. It's not like... Huh. Um, so, you know, you might... Uh, I used to use it to keep, you know, animals out of my garden. Right, yeah. It's inconvenient.
2: Well, this this conduit, it works really well. I mean, because you just put one on one. And if you want to, what you can do is just take the whole 10-footer and bend it in the middle. And then one couple in the center. And then you've got uh, about eighteen inches you can stick down in the ground, and uh, I do that. That just takes two, and that's the cheapest one that I have. And then from there, I'll either tie strings on it, or or I'll put uh, metal fencing. I use I like the vinyl-covered metal fencing.
6: Well, maybe that's what I'm trying to describe to you, which is, yeah. and that has the like the one inch or one and a half inch by two inch.
2: Oh yeah, holes right. The two by three, yeah,
6: yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. that's what it is. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I take I that,
6: and I don't. Uh, I don't know. I I never thought about conduit. I just use yeah the same stuff that you you string that kind of fencing to. You know? Sure.
2: Okay. I I got you now. you yeah. can
6: get six foot stakes, and that's plenty. I mean. I, oh sure. Yeah. I, I use that for my cukes, then, and they climb all the way up. But yep. I'm never, I'm just starting to toy with the idea of the squashes. So
2: yeah well this you know this is um, both you know it's it's six foot and then and then it can be seven and a half feet real easy five and a half or seven and a half and uh they are remarkably permanent you know I, like i said I've got some that are over thirty years old so cool yeah well, that's great I like that I'll have to give that a try on my uh my other ones
6: what the fencing uh yeah. Yeah, but well, you know, because you could always, since it comes in a roll, you can make it as long as you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but
2: uh, I just find that the four foot works well for me because I have a path around each one of my beds, uh-huh. so I can walk around each one. You know, I never have to sort of step over the bed, and um, I find that it maybe the pathway seems like a waste of space, but I, I'm grateful for it every time I, I work out in the garden because... You know the the four foot is just so easy to work with. It's easy to plan for. You know, so anyway.
6: So, if you had any varmints,
2: uh, my my varmints uh, have only been the, uh, the 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 cabbage worm.
6: Oh, yeah, and he's
2: he's been out there pretty busy.
6: Yeah, that's done a lot of damage to my leaves on my broccoli. too. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, Do you think neem oil takes care of that?
2: I'm not so sure. I usually use the, either the Captain Jacks, the Spinosad, or the BT. Uh, there's some mention about there being a BT uh, version. That's um, in, uh, Some of them are resistant to the BT. Okay. Well,
6: then we, you're lucky you don't have woodchucks or baby skunks. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I, I trapped one of each. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Evan, thanks for the call. All right, thank you for your time. Okay, take care. So we have a call from Forbes. Yes, we do. Hey, buddy. Hi. How are you, gentlemen? <laughs> you must be up to your eyeballs and, and blueberries. Oh boy! <laughs>
7: unbelievable. Holy <laughs>
2: smoke!
7: Actually, I've had to support limbs 'cause it's taking it right to the ground.
2: Exactly. I've had the same problem.
7: These bushes are up seven feet tall. And oh. About six
2: and a half
7: feet. Wow. Yeah, I can't even get up through the rows. Well, anyway, that's not a bad position. No, had an no. interesting one come up in my apple orchard. Yeah, some of my trees were kind of lackluster. Yeah, and I did a soil sampling. Yeah, and it came back uh, all the nutrients and everything else were good, but I'm looking at the trees and they, as I say, on the leaf leaf surface and things like that, they weren't a good lush green. Plenty of water. Yeah, and uh, I went back. Uh, this was. Cornell, that I use, and I said, Something's wrong here. And they said, Well, send us some leaves. Yeah, so I did. And they came back to me and said, uh, Yeah, you've got all your elements in the ground, yeah, shows good, but they're locked up,
2: locked up, locked up, and the key laning stuff is right, right.
7: So then they gave me a recommendation of uh, actually calcium, uh, not magnesium, because we're always heavy in magnesium here in the Northeast. Right. And uh, I, I did that, and what it acted like is a, a reverse catalyst. In other words, it freed up ah. the nutrients that were kind of like in a cluster.
2: Oh, for heaven's sake. They were locked. And so the, could...
7: plant, the plant couldn't get to it. Wow. So that's why I was noticing the above surface. Uh, there was something wrong, but the yeah. ground soil tests showed good.
2: Yeah, wow, that's interesting. I never, I, I mean, I've heard about the, the chelating and how important it is, but well, uh, how did you put the calcium on?
7: Well, I actually, uh, just luckily before rain, I, um, I went and spread it, you know, in the, in, around on the, where the feeder root section yeah. are, and then yeah. I actually took a bar. Yeah, and went all the way through and kind of like uh, proved because calcium will only or lime will only move an inch a year. Yeah, so it takes like two years to get to the root structure. Actually, right, with lime on. Okay, so I I barred many many holes all the way around and then spread it.
2: How's your shoulders?
7: (laughs) Yeah, great (laughs) exercise. That's how I got this far.
2: So uh, you're saying you use lime uh, like a dolomite lime that has calcium in it. Right. Right. Okay.
7: Because uh, we do have um, an, usually an of magnesium.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
7: And so that uh, now I'm I'm just watching it to see. Uh, um, but they're usually quite correct. They're pretty extensive. Uh, uh, Cornell seems to be heads and shoulders in some of these these situations. But
5: anyway, mm-hmm. well. And watch so
2: you it. sent them. You actually mailed them uh, some leaves.
7: Right.
5: Uh
2: huh.
7: Yeah, I had to watch them. Yeah and uh, dry them uh-huh. and send it to them and they broke them down and I'll they be darned. looked at my soil sample and they looked at what the tree was actually receiving
2: uh-huh.
7: and they saw that deficiency.
2: That's amazing.
7: So I'm sure that would hold with any plant.
2: Yeah, I you know, in, I mean, I usually put a cup of lime on all my beds, a dolomite lime. Right. Um, but... Uh, so for for a tree, you know, like an average were they semi dwarf right, okay, yeah. so that must have been how many how many cups see?
7: Well, you look at uh, about a half a pound per inch yeah. a, of tree, yeah, that's a pretty good formula, yeah um, of what you're applying, and of course. Uh, you do it out at what you call the drip edge, which uh-huh. is the furthest point out of the tree. That's where your feeder roots are. Yep. Anything towards the trunk are just main conduits. Gotcha. Won't do you any good with fertilizer or lime mm-hmm. in near the, the base of the tree. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, it's, that's kind of interesting uh, mm-hmm. see that I had everything there, and if i just gone by the soil sampling...
2: You would have been. You I, were fool. Yep, yep. Well, that's good. There, you had an instinct that something more was wrong, and you weren't getting the answer. Right. That's cool. Okay.
7: I said I'd just share that with you because yeah. I'm sure people do. Yeah. Soil sample.
2: Did you hear uh, uh, the beginning of the show when I talked about the hops? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Corn? I was
7: going to ask you whether you've done any more research on that because, boy, that's getting to be a big thing.
2: Yeah. Well, this is uh, this book uh, the hops growers handbook uh, they're going to be on next week oh really yeah and uh they uh, have a place over near albany and it's I uh, i can't remember the name of the farm but it's uh they make make their own beer right and and sell it locally and uh they've been doing it for quite a long time and uh, the all of the hops handbooks that are available now are for the northwest there aren't really hops handbooks that uh, right. that are for the Northeast anymore.
7: Yeah, I mean we've got tremendous soils, so that there should be no reason why we couldn't really uh, produce. I know uh, our ancestors did; it was a big commodity uh, here. But uh, in
2: New York and and uh, New York and Vermont were very very big into it.
7: Right, right, and there's a big demand for it. And right now they yeah. have to buy it from Europe basically. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's a whole new avenue for somebody that uh, needs some yeah. uh, add-on. Or. And that's why I, I kind of wanted to to uh, see what they were doing because it specifically is for the uh, small small farmer and oh. uh, home and market both. So I'm looking forward to talking to them and see what they see what they say about it and. Uh,
7: They're going to be on.
2: They'll be on next week. Yeah. Next week. Yeah, next okay. week. And uh, they have the um, the hops growers handbook, is uh, is a beautiful book and a lot of great pictures and they also do uh, you know fruit like you the, uh, um, orchard fruits.
7: So the book is available.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a uh, Chelsea Green. Uh, it's a Chelsea Green book. You can get it from the website, of course, on Amazon. But if if you ask your uh, local uh, bookstore, I'm sure you can get it from them too. Okay, I'll do that. Excellent, excellent, do excellent books. Self. And it's uh, Laurel uh, Laura um, Ten Eyck, and that's T E N E Y C K and Dick Rick Gering, G E H R I N G. Um, the Growers' Handbook, the hop, oh. Hops Growers' Handbook. Yeah. So they're they're over near um, near Albany, and they have a uh, uh, Indian Ladder Farms, and that's the name of their beer.
7: Hmm, that's pretty good. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's pretty, it's neat,
7: huh? Um, yeah, I was going to get a hold of my friend uh, Dave uh, Schombach, who's uh-huh. uh, over in New York State. I think he gave you a book uh, that he yeah. put together there. Uh uh-huh. Amish and uh, he 's a big grower in a nursery over there. I was going to get in touch with him, see what
2: he had to, had to say about it yeah. Say, yeah. well it? i 'm going to be fascinated to see. I saw one of the pictures in there in their book. It was interesting that they had a they had a, a thing that almost looked like a, um, you know, what you call a maypole, a center pole with the mm-hmm. strings coming off of it. Oh, yeah. So they, uh, the hops only went up maybe four or five feet, and then they followed a string up to the top of that maypole. Wow. <laughs> uh, that, I said, wow, well, that is, I've never seen anything like that one. Uh, yeah, they're looking
7: for the maximum amount of photosynthesis.
2: Uh, uh, probably, you know, uh, whatever. so the Sunlight. And there's some great pictures of these uh, just, you know, piles of hops. The one I, I liked, there was a picture of them growing up the side of a, a maybe a barn or a house. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the front of my house, I had this oh, about a 24-foot, uh, you know, it's two stories. And I was thinking I could do like a... Uh, you know, just uh, hook eyes, you know, just hooks all the way across and then run the strand down from there and uh, just have them grow in front of the house like that. Sure. Are they like
7: ivy? What's that? Are they like ivy?
2: Uh, They seem to be, but they they seem, you know how ivy is, it just covers a whole area. These seem to be just one on one strand, so they don't have quite the coverage that you get from an ivy.
7: Well, that's great. Well, I'll, I'll look forward
2: to uh, yeah. listening next week. Okay, okay. Great, great. Thank you. Yes, sure thing. thing. Right on. Thanks
1: Thank for the call. <laughs> and we have um, a return caller. Lawrence oh. is back with us.
4: Oh, hey, Lawrence. Hey, uh, a friend of mine uh, is really big on comf- uh, comfrey in, in the apple orchard, growing comfrey under it. I mm-hmm. know some people yes. yep. feel it's... Too invasive, but it apparently it its deep roots bring up a lot of nutrients and bring it up to the surface, and mm-hmm. then when it dies, it mm-hmm. it's available to the plants, and uh, it may, perhaps this would be uh, an organic uh, natural plant. I think it's solution. a great idea, and,
2: and matter of fact, there's a there's another fellow I'm hoping to interview that that does. Um, uh, and if I don't get it this year, I'll do it next. But uh, he has um, he grows all of his orchards uh, organically, and that was absolutely one of the things that he mentions that the uh, in the understory, under uh, inside the drip line, was comfrey. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, what really loves our comfrey is the hummingbirds. They are. I've yeah. seen them battle over comfrey flowers. <laughs>
4: they, <laughs> Yeah, we've seen that too. Have or, you? They really like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: I, and you know it's a, that has that sort of purple trumpet-shaped uh, flower. Right. And uh, and lots of them for uh, quite a quite a period, maybe three or four weeks. Actually, by the time it runs out. Yeah. I know my wife just cut them down, but. We don't hesitate to put it in the compost as long as we don't put the roots in the compost.
4: Right. <laughs> we had a, a dear friend of ours, Adele Dawson, was mm-hmm. was uh, doing a, a garden sh- uh, clubs yep. every year, and one one year she returned to this one club, and uh, someone raised her hand and said that some comfrey <laughs> that Adele gave her died. And Adele said, "Well, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you do it?" <laughs> well, I had—I
2: yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It, it, no, no, I—I I, we did some uh, landscaping in our in our. Uh, my dad had sent me some comfrey from from Pennsylvania, and of course, not knowing, uh, I planted it at the edge of the garden. And we did this landscaping, and it actually all the whole lawn right the next spring it was like looking at little green rabbit ears you know coming up all the you know, whole lawn was like oh my gosh you know get the get the mower out quick we just kept mowing it and mowing it and, and eventually it quit but boy i thought oh no and of course you know now where where we uh, bulldoze down over the hill there that's just all comfrey down there uh, it really really took over over.
4: Oh. Yeah, so
2: how do you do it? How do you kill it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> she didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't. <laughs> I don't believe that.
4: <laughs> yeah, and also, uh, we, Adele and I, we, we experienced what we call the cosmic cow. Okay. You know, it seems like somewhere in, like, of June, early July, the comfrey plant—it looks like a cow came right out of the sky and sat right in the center of it <laughs> and flattened it all out, and then from there it roots. So, <laughs> so it's about three times as big yeah, as it was. Times. Yes. You know. Yeah. We've a we've learned before. You
2: know? We've learned as soon as if it quits flowering, we cut it and, oh, yeah. and let it dry out on the steps. You know, then we'll put it in the in the in the compost pile. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, Lawrence, thank you for that good word. (laughs) Very good. Anybody wants some comfort, just let me know. (laughs) Oh, well. Did you have a call there, buddy? Oh, Nola. Hey. Hey. You got a poem
8: for us? Well, I have a thought. For okay. all of you, all of you guys and anybody that's been listening, there's a lot of gardeners in, Rip- in Ripton. There's a lot of gardeners in Vermont, and that's so wonderful. Yeah. But being out there just now, getting the last of the garlic up, mm-hmm. and thinking about that day in late April when I walked out back to my big back garden and thought, there's no way. I can't do this. (laughs) You know, no rototiller, just with the shovel. Mm -hmm. Big, huge garden. Mm -hmm. It's full now. Yeah. Giving me garlic and carrots and tomatoes. And just what a gift these gardens are. And the song that came to my mind, I promise, I won't sing it, but it may be Joel. (laughs) You know John McCutcheon?
1: Uh, Yes, yes.
8: You're familiar with him. Yeah. Well, he wrote an amazing song called Water from Another Time. Which I would mm. swear He wrote it about my grandfather's farm mm. About my time on it But the chorus goes It don't take much But you gotta have some The old ways help The new ways come mm. You've gotta leave a little extra For the next in line mm. They're gonna need a little water For another time mm. And that's what I was sort of Just overwhelmed with Now as I was out in that back garden Oh my god it's August 17th Ugh. Yeah. it's 2019 it's yeah. not 1965 mm. but it's gardens are a wonderful clock mm-hmm. they don't send alarms they just gently kind of push mm. us along and remind us of how amazing life can be
2: and uh, that is something that, that it's funny you mentioned i bring that up because it was something i was thinking about this week and last week too actually And uh, you know how sometimes it's almost a cliche, you know, that when an American Indian will say, you know, how many moons ago or how many moons they've been alive or something. And I, I thought, well, you know. I wonder how many gardens I have left mm-hmm. in me, <laughs> you it's <know>. true.
8: It's <laughs> Will it be 20
2: or 30 gardens, you know? How many more gardens do I have, before, you know? <laughs>
8: it's it's a good feeling, yes. you know, and all the experiences and all the bad and all the good, but it it's it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. And yep. so I will trouble you no more. Well, on that, fine that word,
2: song, you know, this is clearly the fastest hour <laughs> on radio. I didn't even way, realize yeah. we'd gone beyond time here. Well, a <laughs> thank lot. you so much for your call. Well,
8: thank you for being there All and right. um, have a great week. Yeah, you too.
1: Okay, okay thank, you. thank you, Nola.
2: Okay, Joel. Well, just a reminder next week we're going to have uh, uh, Laura and Dieter on, and they're going to tell us about uh, how to grow hops. If, and uh, introduce us to the Hop Growers Handbook. I'm really looking forward to that. And then the um, the week after that, or mm, I'm not sure I'll know next week, we're going to talk to uh, Nancy and John Hayden, who are over uh, near Jeffersonville, and they have, uh, they have a farm over there. And they're just coming out with a book called Farming on the Wild Side, The Evolution of a Regenerative Organic Farm and Nursery. And... It sounds very fascinating anyway.
1: Yeah, Roger Hill is joining us. Hey, Roger. Hey, hey. Yes. how you doing? There must be some weather in the mix here.
9: Well, I, I just thought I, I was in a neighborhood here and just wanted to stop by. and was listening. So.
2: Well, welcome. <laughs>
9: uh, and Normally, you guys wet, start at uh, 1230 and go to like 1:30? Uh,
2: yeah. It's busy. Well.
9: <laughs> I think we're reaping the bounties. But my, my message, and I just wanted to mention for folks that might be out there, uh, uh, expect a lot of rainfall this week. Oh, this really? Is, yeah, this is a wet period. We've had kind of a deficit mm-hmm. yep. and uh, we're about to make a little bit of a catch-up on that. So
2: it's a good time to put the fertilizer down so it soaks down in?
9: Exactly. Uh, whatever you can do to prep uh, for you know heavy, yep. unfortunately big water yep. droplets yep. and Pick your, pick
2: your cherry tomatoes as, as soon as they start to turn red and let them ripen indoors so they don't crack.
9: Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's good good advice. But yeah, I was looking at uh, in the next five to six days there might be as much as potentially five inches of uh, total rainfall and mainly northern areas of Vermont, wow. but still in the Barre-Montpelier. Further south uh, and east you go, the less. Even
2: half of that would be a lot.
9: I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> because we just haven't had a lot of it. We've had these no. little quick moving storms but uh, we, we're in for a little more so just a heads up everyone
2: wow well thanks for the heads up roger absolutely I'm much appreciated <laughs> too late to put in cranberries though <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll grow rice, rice in the patties yeah. now right. <laughs> yeah well that's uh that's good to know and we appreciate the heads up my pleasure. All right, <laughs>
1: and I guess we'll see everybody next week.
2: Yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. No Red Sox, far as I can tell.
1: Yeah. So uh, we'll be we'll be in the garden. All right. Good. On WDEV.
0: Inch by inch, row by row garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down.
1: In the Garden with Peter Burke has been brought to you By Menard's Agway, your family true value neighborhood yard, garden, and pet place on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Grow Compost of Vermont at growcompost.com. They're located on Route 2 in Moortown. The Willie's Store, your true value store near Caspian Lake in Greensboro. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. By Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. Montpelier, Morrisville, Williston, and St. Albans. By Claussen's Florist and Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, Main Street in Colchester. Claussen's.com for those Mega Monday coupons. By P&R Lumber, locally milled lumber, a family-owned business on Route 15 in Wolcott. Buy your locally owned Montpelier Agway, seeds and feeds and so much more, right there on Route 2 in Montpelier. And by V's Flower and Garden Shop Main Street in Waitsville. They have it all for you right here locally. Do join us again at twelve thirty during the noon hour next Saturday for In the Garden with Peter Burke.